0: Somewhere between the worlds of technology and digital design resides the Cash All Podcast. Here to share thoughts, news, and ideas about coding, graphic design, digital tools, and more is your host, Brandon Peterson. Welcome back to another episode of the Cash All Podcast, where we discuss design, branding, marketing, and all things creative. This week will be a discussion on how Ghostbusters understood how to name social media handles way before Twitter was even a twinkle in Elon Musk's eye. We'll also touch base on how this applies to today's world of utilizing the handle to stay relevant, especially in this pay-for-verification world we are facing. If you've been around Twitter for any period of time, you've noticed the tiny little blue check marks next to some of the handles. We know that they represent verified accounts, and what that means is Twitter has confirmed the identity of the users behind those handles. It's become a sort of status symbol for some. And recently, Twitter is moving to a new direction with these verified accounts. This is being done by allowing users to pay a monthly fee, like $8, to keep their verified status. This situation for some has been stickier than the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. There are compelling arguments for and against the practice. On one hand... It allows anyone to be verified. It causes Twitter to become less elitist. I just pay an amount of money. I don't have to be a celebrity. I don't have to be famous. And I can be verified with my Twitter account. That's pretty cool. But on the other hand, do we want any account to be verified? Not being verified could also eventually lead to your tweets not showing up in other users' timelines. This could lead to a lack of exposure. It could lead to a lack of reach. But on the other hand, could also lead to higher engagement rates as people who actually follow you would be more likely to see your posts and join in on your online conversations. I understand that there's the fact of me signing up for social media. I'm giving whoever that platform is, I'm allowing them... To take my data and to sell it to interested parties for targeted ads. Like I'm aware of that fact. But personally, I refuse to pay extra to use my data. Like I'm already what is for sale in this business model of social media, my online behaviors, you know, my my habits online, what things I like to buy, what ads I like to see. So why would I want to pay? somebody else to then sell my data. You know what I mean? Like I'm already for sale. So why would I pay someone to sell me? That's just my opinion. And some of you may pay the monthly fee. Great. Some of you may choose not to. Great. That's up to you. And the debate of that would probably make a great future podcast episode. What we do know now is that it makes our first impressions including that user handle, much more important if we want to try to stay relevant without the blue check mark. This isn't the first time in history something like this has happened. The best example I can actually think of happened in 1984. The movie Ghostbusters was a huge hit, and it spawned a very particular cartoon series and toyline. In fact, it actually spawned off two cartoon series. Two cartoons? And what? These two cartoon series were not the same intellectual property? How did this happen? So the concept of Ghostbusters actually existed before Ivan Reitman's 1984 theatrical hit. In nineteen seventy-five, there was a short run of a live action show called Ghostbusters. It featured a team of two friends and a gorilla. Characters named were Jake, Eddie, and Tracy. The show was not really a success. But after the Ghostbusters movie was released with new characters with from a totally different uh, group of producers, the original 1975 Ghostbusters brain trust decided to jump on this hype wagon, this ghostbusting trend, and re-released their show. But instead of it being live action, they decided to make it into a cartoon. Filmation's Ghostbusters. It's a pretty zany cartoon. It features, like I said, Jake, Eddie, and Tracy. Uh, They even have ghost packs, and they have a ghost mobile of their own. I remember watching the cartoon as a kid. I thought it was strange. Just the premise of the show was kind of weird and goofy. Uh, I also at the time thought it was strange to have another group called Ghostbusters, even though there was this movie that came out with totally different characters and different storylines. That nevertheless kept me from enjoying the cartoon. And I did have a few of the action figures in even the lunchbox at the time. It was pretty cool. Obviously, the Ghostbusters, based off the hit movie, wasn't about to bow down. Toys and cereals and ecto-coolers had to be sold. So what did they decide to do? They decided to name their cartoon The Real Ghostbusters. Eventually, the name changed to Slimer and The Real Ghostbusters. It didn't really matter which cartoon show came first. Adding the real at the start of the title of the movie-related cartoon was a brilliant move and a real power play. Not only did this set apart their cartoon from the other, it also gave it a higher level of authenticity and credibility. It was like the world's first verified account or blue check mark, well before the advent of Twitter. The naming dilemma that Filmation faced is not, and the real Ghostbusters faced, is not dissimilar to what some Twitter users are doing now. Some are adding the word real to their handles to distinguish themselves from imposters or fake accounts. It's a clever way to make sure their audience knows that they're the real deal. A few examples of names that did something similar to set themselves up from imitators might be the Funko Pop online account. Funko Pops, everybody loves those adorable collector figures. I have a shelf full of Iron Man and Rocket Raccoon themed characters. Their Twitter account is at Original Funko. Ellen DeGeneres on Twitter, hers is at The Ellen Show. Our former president of the United States on Twitter at Real Donald Trump. As a Nebraskan, I had the privilege of following a parody account of our head coach at the time, who was Bo Pelini. At Foe Pelini, constantly delivered funny tweets as if they really came from our coach. Interesting fact, Bo Pelini, the actual coach, his Twitter account, at Bo Pelini, has 100,000 followers. At Foe Pelini, over 600,000 followers. So what should you do with your social media handle? Here's some advice. A lot of it comes from HubSpot and I think is something that can apply to most accounts and is pretty sound. First of all, you can check to see if your idea for a tag is available across multiple platforms. You can use ink domain or brand snag, although sometimes they do say that a domain is available when it's not. So just be sure to double check on the platforms themselves. You can use your full business name if this is for a business brand social media. Use the full name if possible. It makes it easier to recognize your posts. And each post also then helps with your brand promotion and your reach and getting other people to notice it. You can use your real name if it's for your personal brand. In my case, at Brandon Peterson is not available anywhere. It's already taken. So for me, at Code Peterson, it is. But Brandon Peterson is listed as my name with each of those accounts so that it's still searchable. Use short names whenever possible. They're easier to remember. They're easier to search. Try to avoid numbers or symbols. Those are harder to type and search. If your business name or your personal brand name is taken, Then before your name, you could add I am. So I could have said maybe I could have searched for at I am Brandon Peterson. Uh, I could have done at this is Brandon Peterson or take a page out of the Ghostbusters cartoon and add a real or the real in front of it. You can also add HQ afterwards, for example, or find a word that you could put at the end of your tag. You can also give your tagline a try. So, for example, let's say like Nike was just now starting and they didn't have an online account. Instead of at Nike, maybe they could have tried at just do it or whatever the slogan is, and that would still be searchable and be true to the brand. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to every rule. I know examples of great business and personal brands that don't utilize all the tips above, or in some cases even do the complete opposite with some of these. And ultimately, whatever you decide to go with, you just wanna try to stay consistent, you wanna use it the same if possible across all platforms, and you wanna make sure it's true to the brand, whether it be for the brand for the business you represent or for your own personal brand. In the end, it's all about standing out and being recognized for your authenticity. Just like the Ghostbusters had to cross the streams to save the day, Twitter users are crossing their fingers and hoping their the real handles will help them make a splash in an online world that's getting more crowded than the Ecto Containment Unit. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I love Ghostbusters, so I had to find a way to tie it in uh, to social media, and I thought it worked well for this matter. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, when it comes to branding and marketing and your presence on social media, sometimes you just have to be a little ghostly to get noticed. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe if you want notified the moment of new episode releases. You can interact with me online on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok using my handle, CodePeterson, or by visiting CodePeterson.com.